wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome back to Auto Off Topic. We only have one Brad tonight. Only one Brad. Just one. One Brad, one Andrew. As it's standard. Yes. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. I'm, I'm glad to be the only Brad again. I uh, felt like I was having to give up too much of the spotlight to two Brads. Not a fan of that. Not a fan of that. Kidding, obviously. We love having other Brad on here. So, no, it's going well. It's going well. How's it going with you, Andrew? It's good. It's uh, Thursday night. Um, we have a track night in America tomorrow. So Excellent. Yeah, doing that. And uh, yeah, that's like, I haven't done a track day since Nürburgring, so it should be fun. It'll be a letdown then. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. Probably not. No, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's a totally different experience than the one that you did over there. So I wouldn't even, you wouldn't even compare. I can do multiple laps in 20 minutes instead of two laps. Yeah. yeah your whole track day will be the time one lap of the other one was. So. <laughs> yeah, actually that would be, there's three 20 minute sessions. So that would be six laps of the Nürburgring. Not too shabby. I mean, that's like, yeah, a slow lap, 10 minutes, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> well, you're not a race car driver, so. Yeah, there's some people that do like seven minute tourist days, which is Yeah, kind I didn't of crazy. expect you to be out there cutting seven, eight minute laps, so no. 10 minutes is fine. Perfectly acceptable in the world of uh, amateur drivers who don't own the car and don't want to have a huge bill to exactly. pay it all. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I guess like that's my project car update is I changed oil in that car. Perfect. And did like a little nut and bolt check because I hadn't actually had it up in the lift since I did the exhaust a year ago. Yeah, it's a long time. That's pretty. That's a mark of a good car. Yeah. One that you don't always have to be working on. One day I'll know what that's like. I was like, oh, the oil's like. It was still kind of like clear and clean. I was like, you know, it's only gone like probably 1,500 miles, but it's got probably got like three or four track days on it. Yep. So high temperature, high rev. Yeah. That's the other thing. I was like, ah, it's going to be like in the 90s tomorrow. So yeah. I'll put fresh oil in it. It doesn't hurt. It's cheap insurance. Exactly. Doing, doing an oil change once a year for the entire time you own the car is cheaper than doing a motor once. So. Yeah. 
we'll just stick with the right way. I've been using the module in it, the 90s stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've converted to um, buying oil via the internet now as well, instead of just going and getting whatever I can get from O'Reilly's. Uh, you've you've sold me on that on that task, and it doesn't cost any more to get it and just have it here in stock and not have to run out and buy it. So. Yeah, if you if you're planning to do the oil change over the weekend, you order it on a Monday and then you have it for the weekend. Yeah, I started doing it because I had to order the liquid molly for the 944. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a uh, pretty convenient, actually. It's just it's here at my door. <laughs> so <laughs> did you get it from FCP or something so you can return it? <laughs> I did get the liquid molly from FCP, but I'm not going to return it because that's a huge pain to return oil. <laughs> I know that's so. that's other that's other gimmick works that nobody actually does yeah. it. No, I mean, other things I would return, but I'm not going to return oil. That's that's a pain. I, I've, I've already given it back to uh, AutoZone or O'Reilly's or whoever I brought it back to. So that's fine. Yeah. Although I guess if I continue to buy my oil online and everybody else does, we will lose the local store to <laughs> dump our oil back. So maybe we should buy some oil. No, Walmart as well. can't take your oil because they sell oil. Until they don't anymore because everybody buys it online. <laughs> Who knows? Also, I feel like trying to go to the automotive center at Walmart is a huge pain for everything. So just going to a rise is much easier. So, yeah, I just um, that's my those are my two brands. Look, Molly Motul. Yeah, we're going to have to go back to the old school way of digging a hole in the backyard and dumping it back where it came from <laughs> in, the, in the gravel pit. We're just feeding the dinosaurs. It's fine. Yeah. This is a joke, EPA. I'm not actually going to do that. FYI. I will properly recycle it. But I feel like we should touch real quick because we didn't do it until the very end of the episode last week um, and just kind of remind people that the stickers, uh, I don't think we got the address right for uh, buying the Aaron Kelly Remembrance stickers. I'm pretty Um, sure we got it right. I couldn't find it until after the fact. So I just wanted to put it back out there in case we didn't, that it was rally.build yeah. and rally.build slash products. And then you can find the sticker through there. So I just know that I was frustrated trying to find it and I couldn't find it. And then I found it by fixing the address. I think I was like searching rally build and all I got was like build threads of people building rally cars. So it's rally.build. So interesting that build is apparently a domain name now or a domain address now. Oh, because the, the website is literally rally.build hmm. instead of .com or something. So, oh, I would have put rally.build.com. Right. That's what I was having a hard time with. It's literally just rally.build. Oh, okay. Yep. So I had a hard time finding it because of that. See, I saw them on Instagram and he just like sent me the link through Instagram. Sure. Got a link through. I'm sure that worked out fine, but I didn't have that link and I was trying to find it by going rallybuild.com or just rallybuild one word and it never worked. So I guess that's uh, our early introduction to the internet, not realizing that things can be dot anything pretty much now. So dot build is apparently a legitimate thing now. Cool. Yep. 
So anyway, I just want to put that back out there because I feel like we didn't do it justice by putting it at the end of the episode and giving the wrong or not enough information to find it. So just put yeah, that that's back fair. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's what I did to cars and uh, podcast over. Perfect. I didn't do anything. That's not true. I did actually. Um, so, oh, all right. Before mentioned. we get off mine, then, uh, I did try to buff the car again. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to buff this car. I don't understand. This is the only car I've ever, like, never been able to buff. Doesn't make any sense. It's, I, last night, it, the weather was pretty decent. I washed it. I was in the shade. The paint was cool. Like, I cannot... The difficulty is even if I do it by hand, it's really difficult to get the product off, even doing small sections hmm. without it leaving like cloudiness or streaks. And then you push harder to get the stuff off and then you just scratch it more. Hmm. And what product is that? I'm using the P4 couple guys stuff. Okay. So just the polish, not even the compound. The compound was too mm-hmm. aggressive. That like really messed up the paint. I have like a couple sections that came out decent with this, but overall it just doesn't like, I, I don't understand. I, maybe I have to work like a section that's like six inches by six inches over the whole car. Yeah, pretty much. But I'll, uh, I don't know. I think I might be out there again soon. I'll take a look at it. I don't know what to do with it. I, I might have to just have someone do it. Oh, well, I'll, I'll be there in the next couple terrible. of weeks. I'll be there. Next, I'll be there the next couple of weeks. If I can, See if I can try to do something because that seems weird to me. It is weird because it it worked so well on the Galant on the uh, sorry, not on the Galant on the Q45. Yeah, it was it was very easy. Like it came off really easily. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is the new product. Like this stuff is not hard to get off. No, I I, I have a great time with it. Uh, I literally fixed a couple of cars paint with it now. And like. I've used the stripper stuff they have that strips all of the wax, everything off of a, of a car when you wash it. I've used that twice mm-hmm. now. I clay barred it. Um, the only thing I can think of is this car just had like a lot of oxidation on it because maybe yeah, it, it could be the clear coat's waxed. just damaged, and you're not you're just trying to buff through clear coat that's not not smooth. It feels smooth to the touch though after the clay bar. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, t- I'll take a look at it when I get there. I think between the two of us, we can probably figure it out. We have some other products we can talk to. My father's got some old school stuff lying around still, too, from his body shop days. Um, we can, uh, we'll figure out something. But I, I think that I don't understand why it's not working because I literally have used it on cars with the worst paint. You know, I did that, that Subaru that I bought and sold a year or so ago. I did that with that. And that car, I don't think I ever saw wax in its entire life. So that was not as old as that car, obviously, but still it was 10 years old in the Arizona sun, never taken care of. And that car came out pretty dang good with the same product. So I don't know. Interesting. I mean, if that's my worst problem with the car, then okay. Yeah, you have pretty good luck otherwise. So might as well, <laughs> yeah. might as well go wrong. Hey, we'll figure, we'll figure it out. That's I'm I'm convinced we'll figure it out. I just don't know what it is. I don't know why. It's hard again not being there. I didn't have time last time I was there, but I think I should have some time this time. 
because things have changed a little in uh, my New England portion of my life. So anyway, I'll make time. That's what you're gonna do. I'll make time. Yeah, I'll make time. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did some stuff. Okay. I don't remember if I said anything or not, but the 944 lost its air conditioning. And I wasn't sure why. I got home one day, shut the car off, and I heard like a tire blowing kind of sound. But it was actually, I thought the car was overheating. So I turned the key back on and looked at the gauge. It went to normal level. I was like, all right, that's good. And then I opened the hood and I was like, that sounds like it's air conditioning. So I closed the hood, the back of the car, turned the car on, and there was warm air coming out the vents. I was like, aha, so that is Freon. So obviously I blew a line somewhere, and I had to figure out where. So that was this previous weekend's project, was finding where the AC leak came from and refilling it, recharging it with new Freon. So put the car up in the air. I don't know how much you remember, Andrew, of the... Um, actually putting the Freon in it last time. But I had to change one of the fittings on the compressor to a 90 degree bend so that we could use the small, the, the larger ends that are on like the home style AC gauges. So the big machines you use in a, you know, if you have like a, a shop somewhere that does a lot of AC work, you have the big AC machine and those have smaller dials and fittings on them. So that's probably where it was done before when I tried to put the big fitting on it from the, you know, the home style AC gauges, it didn't fit. So we put a 90 degree fitting on the compressor. So hooked the high side and low side up and drew vacuum from the system just to see if we could hear a leak anywhere in the, in the AC. Uh, and it was readily apparent very quickly. So I didn't blow out any seals. I had adjusted the belts recently to stop them from squealing. And when I adjusted the belts, I think I must have hit that 90 degree fitting and I hadn't tightened it down enough. So it turned just a little bit. And then as I was driving the car, it turned a little bit more and loosened up. So it just got to a point where I got home one day, turned the car off, and it got to the point where it got too loose and the air just leaked out around it. So I was able to just retighten that 90 degree fitting, put a proper torque on it, and recharge the system and the AC works great again. So thankfully that was a quick and fairly simple repair that cost $18 in Freon cans. So zero complaints about that it's, it's always good when it's an easy fix it's not always as good when it's your own fault that it broke but it is what it is so happy the car has ac again because as i'm sure everybody knows the arizona heat wave is still quite active and it's been over 110 here for i don't know three weeks and for two of those weeks i didn't have air conditioning in that car so all fixed however there is a rather large down date. Not sure if it's related or not to that time when I was driving the car to LA and I had it stumble when I was in LA or not, 
or if that really truly was a bad gas situation and this new situation is kind of popping its way through. But I don't usually run the car with the hood up. But when you're charging the AC, you have to have the car running after you put the first cannon. And heard a super loud vacuum leak. I did notice the other day that the car at idle was kind of running a little rough. And I noted it and I was like, you know what? I've never done like plugs and wires and a tune up on this car. That's what I'll do. But turns out it's just a massive vacuum leak, which is why it only only idles rough and it runs fine when you're on throttle. So sprayed some, you know, starting fluid around to find the location of the air leak. Found it towards the back of the cylinder head. Started digging around in there. And there is a paper gasket that goes in between the intake manifold and the cylinder head. And it is blown out. The last runner, so like the number four cylinder, the intake manifold gasket is blown out. So, ah. Yeah, so new project. I have to do an intake manifold gasket on the 944. It mm. doesn't look tremendously complicated. Uh, there's some typical Volkswagen style, Allen style head or Torx head, probably Allen head. Um, bolts holding it down to the cylinder head. Then there's the throttle body and then the bracket that holds it up on the other side, I think is shared with the dipstick. So it actually looks fairly, I don't want to say fairly easy and then wind up shooting myself in the foot, but it doesn't look tremendously difficult. (laughs) So it doesn't require taking the car too far apart. It doesn't require interfering with the timing bells or taking the head off or anything like that. So it shouldn't be tremendously difficult to, to take care of this. I just need to get in there and do it and order some some gaskets to replace it all. And hopefully that uh, fixes that idle stumble. I mean, it, I think it should. The vacuum leak is so loud with the hood open. It's all you can hear almost. So it's, it's definitely sucking in a ton of air. So and then once you know, you're know you on throttle, the vacuum issue is not an issue anymore because cars building vacuum right so so we shall see i don't know if that's related or not to my problem i had six months ago could it be maybe maybe it was starting to go and didn't quite go all the way i don't know seems like a stretch but it could have right yeah maybe i don't know yeah i'm not sure it's a thought, but it, it needs to be fixed now. Um, the car is still technically drivable uh, while I order the parts. Not the end of the world. Um, I'll get it taken care of as soon as I can. Um, hopefully. Hopefully I can get the parts by this weekend and get it taken care of. So I'll have a new story next week, hopefully of a successful intake manifold resealing. I'm only a little nervous about it because I know the car did have the cylinder head and intake manifold off of it prior to my ownership and prior to our friend's ownership in the past. Because uh, by searching the VIN number, I did find a former for sale ad for the car and it showed that the timing belt had snapped and the whole top of the motor had been redone. 
So hopefully there's no, you know, stripped bolts or anything in the process, but that also hopefully means though that things will come apart because they already have been apart. So <laughs> we shall see, but not looking forward to that, but it is what it is. Um, it's, it's gotta be done. I just got the update from all my parts from techno toy tuning. Uh, the work is done as far as the cutting and welding of the new strut tubes and they're at the powder coater. So once they get powder coated, they should be here. Probably another week and a half to two weeks, he said for everything, just because the powder coat is backed up, I guess. Um, I got the first package of stuff here already, which is all the rear suspension stuff, the shifter and some of the other smaller parts that I got from them and the uh, pan hard bar and some of the other goodies that are going along with this whole process. So that's all here at least. And I have all the steering components uh, should all be here starting to filter in. They should all be here by mid next week. So I can get that whole car put together. Hopefully, probably not next weekend, probably the weekend after it looks like based on whatever that suspension stuff comes back from Northern California. So that one's coming along. Um, that's it. I think I haven't touched any other project cars. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good little little update there. I had some free time to play with some stuff, so. I have to get the Eclipse smogged this week. I haven't done that yet either. So that's hopefully an easy story that won't require any work. Oh, that's on tomorrow's docket. So stay tuned next week to find out if the Eclipse passes smog. Oh, I have to bring the Montero for safety tomorrow. So, yeah. Safety, you at least know that they're going to fail you for the wheel bearings. With smog. Well, I go no. to the other place now that is fine. The one that understands. Yeah. Yeah. Which Sm- they're smog like, is tough. They're like, it ticks. That's just the engine. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Never having dealt with smog, really, it's going to be interesting for me. So I'm not really. I mean, we had emissions testing in Massachusetts, but it was pretty simple. You know, the older cars don't need it, and the newer cars are just a plug in. So I've never. Well, there really was a while a- they. They did it in the mid two thousands. They did a sniffer test on stuff. I don't even remember that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably like right. Up, up to like oh six, they had to sniffer test stuff. Okay, I think I had new enough cars that it wasn't an issue. And then maybe the, I see. I don't remember ever getting a sniffer test like on my old Cutlass and stuff back when I was a teenager. Maybe they definitely I did. did it. I don't, remember. I don't remember. I don't remember, but I could have. Anyway, I'm a little bit stressed out about it just because it's not an American market car. So it doesn't have American market smog equipment. So I'm hoping well, it's all one the thing same. you want to make sure go drive it, drive it kind of hard, like before you get there. So the right. cat is nice and hot and it's working. Right. Yeah, I plan on, well, it's 115 degrees tomorrow, so it'll be nice and warm. Um, and I plan on running it up and down the highway a few times before I go to the smog place itself. So hopefully it should be fine. And if it's not, then we'll deal with it. It'll be a new project car update. I'll take one for the podcast. So 
it, it shouldn't be an issue because the car seems to burn clean. It doesn't smell funny. You know, I don't think the standards for a 1993 car are super high, right? So it should be okay. Fingers crossed. Updates next week. I just never smogged it before because it was always registered as an antique. So it wasn't my daily, but I had to change things around and now it's the wrong way. So, yeah, is what it is. Anyway, that's it for project car updates for me. What else we got today, Andrew? I finally got to see some racing. Okay. Is it rain person on a weekend? Yeah. Nice. I had tickets to go to NHMS. The NASCAR race. Yep. That rained. Annoying. I think I talked about that last episode. Yes. They don't, they don't do refunds. They just do the honor at the day of the race, which doesn't work for normal people who have jobs. Uh, they'll honor the tickets for like another event, like, but it's whatever. What other event do I want to see there? There's nothing else there. At NHMS? No, there's nothing. No. And nothing else. The tickets cost the same as that. Like, no. What are you going to get into a thirty dollar like drift night? Like, what's... That, they don't even do that anymore up there. I don't think so. Wow. Oh. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's and I think uh, like Truex Jr. won that race. I didn't even watch the highlights actually of that race. Martin Truex Jr. did win that race. Yes. Yeah. I ended up watching. Um, since we're on the subject of Pocono on Sunday afternoon. Yep. Uh, since we're on the subject of NASCAR, I watched Pocono on Sunday afternoon. Yes, I also um, watched Pocono. That was an interesting race. It was a crash fest. For like, into like stage two. The start of stage two, three times there was a crash on the restart? I was like, you know, it's Sunday afternoon. I had gone to Misslewood in the morning. We'll talk about that. So I was just kind of like, you know, Marco was napping. So I was kind of napping. <laughs> And, uh, like, you know, I was like half asleep and I was like, all right, caution, wreck, restart, caution, flag out again, another wreck. I was like, what is, I was like, am I dreaming this like over and over again? (laughs) You had your own little, uh, groundhog day moment. But it, it was like by the end of stage two, it was like five cautions or something. Yeah. There were a lot of cautions. There were eight or nine in the whole race. The, the thing was though, is that start of stage two, each time it was a restart, they didn't make it turn one. No yellow came back out. So it was a solid 35 minutes to get a green flag lap of stage two. Yeah. Like the first like 20 something laps of stage two were all just caution laps or 25 laps or something like that. It was a little ridiculous. Like, yeah. Like maybe the second time around, can they just be like, all right, we got to do single file restart. Like I'm surprised they didn't go to a single file restart after the second caution. Like, and then after the third rule, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that. I know they will do it in certain circumstances, but I'm not sure what has to happen to make them do a single file restart. I know like in the rain on a road course, they will, but they only run in the rain on a road course. So there's no rain on ovals. That was a good race. Um, I enjoyed the whole thing. Um, anytime that our uh, our buddy uh, uh, Kyle Larson finishes in the twenties is great. So, well, for a while there, I, he was to the wall, and I was like, "All right, it's done." 
And then he's leading the race. Uh-oh. Oh, there you are. I heard you say, uh-oh, sorry. You uh, went blank on me there for a second. I heard you say no, for a I while, totally and, then got, and then I got nothing. Yeah. All right. Hold on. So Get for a while. Yeah, for a while there, he uh, he he like wrecked in the wall, and then he was leading. Yeah, he came back from literally last <laughs> to lead the race again for a little bit. And then you know, had a little battle there at the end with Denny Hamlin. And uh, Denny Hamlin, spoiler alert, came out victorious and won the race. So what I didn't know, and I've never noticed before, was how hated Denny Hamlin is. Yeah. The entire crowd was booing him. I didn't realize he was a heel. No, I don't ever think I've noticed that before. And I have no problem with Denny Hamlin. He's been around for a long time. He's one of the oldest drivers out there other than um, Brad. Uh, no, not Brad Kozlowski. Um, Kevin Harvick. Harvick? Yeah, Harvick's one of the oldest drivers out there. But Hamlin's, uh, Denny Hamlin's around for a long time. And I just didn't realize that he was kind of a heel. And I guess I was trying to read into why. And it's just there's been so many on-track incidents in the past with other popular drivers that people don't like him. Oh, but Austin Sindrick, huh? He was mad. Or his helmet. Yeah, he was mad. He was big mad. Uh, I don't but, even remember who, who knocked him into him. I don't remember. But if you lo- watching the video, he was mad and said the guy turned down that turned into him. But oh yeah, replay, yeah, the video, yeah, he definitely did not turn down into him. No, it was a hundred percent his fault. Yeah, <laughs> and even the commentator was like, "Yeah, he might change his mind once he sees the replay." Yeah, I can't so, yeah, remember was, who that was now. <laughs> he was big mad for no reason whatsoever. I don't remember who it was either, but I remember that it was not it was not the other driver's fault. That's for I sure. was who drives the forty three. Uh, maybe Eric Jones. Yeah, I don't, I, I legitimately do not remember. It was somebody in that same range of, of drivers. It might, it might've been Eric Jones. I just don't remember. I, I so. thought it was the guy from around here. Well, he doesn't drive the 43 and the 43 is Eric Jones. No. Um, yeah, I the don't... guy from the guy from, um, Connecticut is Ryan Priest. I thought maybe it was Priest. I don't know. Yeah, he drives the 41 Ford. And then didn't Hamlin get real close to the back of someone and like took the downforce off and they like wrecked? But he never touched him. No, he never touched him. It was super yeah. weird. And they were like, they had to go back to the replay. They're like, what happened? Like, Yep, he never touched him. So there's again, I don't think any fault at all on Denny Hamlin for that one. It was just racing. But if you're at the track, it probably looked like it touched him. Like depending on where you're sitting. Oh, I'm sure it did. <laughs> I think it was, was that William Byron? It might have been Byron. Yeah. Um, but anyway, whoever it was, he didn't get hit. And they watched the replay over and over again, and there's no way that he actually did anything. And no, it was weird, you though. Fault, you can't fault him for getting close. Like, yeah. NASCAR. But it was strange because they get close like that a lot, and it just, that particular way it did it, it just, like, made the back of... Byron's car is super light and he just went around and in the wall. There's also a huge bump on that track where they got the call a tunnel turn. Yeah. Where it goes over the over the tunnel to get to the infield. And the you don't notice it as much when the cars were at speed, but when the cars were going through under yellow, you'd see him go over that bump and it was like it was a heavy hit. Like you'd see the car almost bump off the ground a little bit. 
So definitely was, it's definitely a rough surface. So it could have been part of what happened there as well. Who knows? But it was, it was, I had a fun time watching the race. Um, I was a little annoyed at all the yellows for a little bit, but I was watching it later on recorded. So I was able to fast forward through some of that stuff. So it kind of was okay. But overall, it was a good race. Pocono is always a fun to watch. The good thing is that I think this week is going to be another oval. Um, Richmond, I think. Yep, Richmond. But then then after, and then Michigan. Michigan, then Indianapolis, road course. Yeah, the Brickyard road course. And then directly after that is Watkins Glen. So that's two road courses in a row starting mid-August, which is awesome. So I am 100% here for that. I'm still like... And... I really want to see a NASCAR race this season. I'm like, really? I'm like, maybe I should make an effort to try to do Watkins Glen. Yeah, either that or even going to uh, Indianapolis isn't tremendously difficult. No, it's not either. Yeah, so, I, don't know. I mean, it's a, it involves a flight versus driving, but I guess you could also drive there. Yeah, that's um, the difference. But it'd be a cooler track to go to, I think. I <laughs> Plus, like I had something uh, on the 13th, but not the 22nd, so. Did you hear? I think you did. I think I told you um, who's coming back for that race. Yeah, we we talked about it on the last episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't listen to our podcast, Andrew. I don't know. No, I don't listen to it either because it's terrible. So I don't know what we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, SVG is coming back and running that event. So that should be good. So, yeah, but I'm stoked on two road courses in a row. I don't know if that's ever actually happened in the modern era of NASCAR. So. I don't think so. But Richmond's good. Michigan's kind of an average race. Um, I think it's similar to be a little bit larger than NHMS. But Well, now you're getting to the part where guys that don't have wins or enough points aren't in the are playoffs. So. Well, what do the playoffs start? There's a couple more races left, right? I think maybe after Watkins Glen. Because you have people like Chase Elliott who need to win now to get in, and people who yeah, like... if he doesn't win something, he's out, right? Yeah. Uh, I know it was. I was super bummed for Suarez for wrecking last week. Yeah, because he's trying to get in. Yeah. Um, but with two road courses, maybe it's good. That's chance. good for both Suarez and for Elliott. So who knows? Yeah. Problem is though that that Martin Truex Jr. has been really dominant at road courses this year. So, well, we'll see with SVG. These should be some good races. Yep. hundred percent. Um, I'm going to say his name, Shane Van Gisbergen. Yep. Bradley's not even here to help me say it right. So let's make sure I got, I wasn't even going to attempt it. So there you go. Uh, (laughs) speaking of road courses, uh, I took the whole family. We went to Lime Rock on Saturday for the Northeast Grand Prix. Now they stopped, this is IMSA, so they stopped bringing the prototypes, which is kind of a bummer, but also kind of makes sense because the track is too small for them. Okay. Like, they're too fast now. Sure. So. How long is that track around? A mile and a half? Yeah. Yeah. It's tiny. Um, Super good. Like, weather was great. Uh, It was the most people I've seen there in probably the 10 years I've been going on and off. Like there's a lot of people there. Uh, I met up with um, uh, Steve Booten, one of our listeners. 
Mm-hmm. And he's now now become a pretty good friend. Mm-hmm. So I was hanging out with him. Uh, and, you know, he we were talking about it. And he made a good point that maybe it's the F1 documentary effect where people are just looking for other types of racing they can go see that's not as expensive. It could be. Um, because it was definitely a lot of people that I'd never seen before at an IMSA race. Like more. I don't remember all the people you've seen. I just mean a more, even more diverse crowd, like the same type of crowd that is attracted to like Formula One. So there's a lot of guys wearing uh, Red Bull F1 shirts. There were some people wearing F1 stuff. So, you know, it's possible. Yeah, no, that's that's a possibility. I had not even thought about that. And also this year, there's been a lot of extra coverage for a lot of the endurance racing in general, uh, especially with the, I think the past month or so of motorsports in, in this country has been pretty elevated because it started with Lama having, you know, the NASCAR Camaro at it, which is a huge thing. And then they had the, uh, the NASCAR race in Chicago was one of the most watched. It was the most watched motorsport event in American television history. Um, and I think that all of that is just kind of building on people are realizing what racing is here more than just a redneck sport of NASCAR that it's known for from, you know, the fifties on. It's just becoming a more accepted and F1 is probably a big part of that credit to Steve for coming up with that theory. But also I think that the Camaro being at Le Mans and all the coverage from that. I didn't and, even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and then the big Chicago NASCAR race and people are like, oh, road course racing is cool. <laughs> like, let's figure this out. Let's find some more racing. So and I think that's a huge thing. And obviously during these races, like during the Chicago race, the people that were watching were probably fed advertisements afterwards, thanks to you know, your cell phone logarithms um, for going to these local events that are, are happening as well. So it's cool. It's great for the sport. It's great for old school fans like ourselves as much yeah. as we want to keep it and gatekeep it to people who really care. But, you know, if people don't go, the events don't happen. So I'm cool with it as long as it stays cheap. <laughs> also, Lime Rock is just like a fantastic city. Like... Yeah, and it's they've been improving stuff down there every single year. Um, they've been improving stuff down there every single year as well. And they've been doing a lot better with their own marketing and their own social media and their own promotions. So that's also part of it. You know, it used to kind of be a, if you know, you know. And now it's a, everybody knows. So, yep, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy for the current state of motorsports in this country, for sure. So... I just double checked to uh, get our conversation correct. The end of August is the end of the regular season. So the Daytona Coke Zero Sugar 400 is the last race of the regular season, the night race on the 26th. And the playoffs oh, cool. start September, September 3rd, the following Sunday. So, yeah, this the Saturday night Coke race in Daytona is uh, the last regular season race. So it's four more races. So should be uh, interesting to see. Oh. I'm all in this season, as I said. So, Yeah, I might try to go maybe Petit Lamar or something. I really want to see the, the prototype cars. Sure. And I'm running out of time. So, Well, uh, running out of time this year. I should have gone to like 
Yeah, I should have gone to like Daytona or something, but I was thinking oh, about it. I was like, you know what? I've got I've got the time to do it. It's not super expensive. I should just pick one or two away races to go to a year. Sure. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I I would actually we talked about it last year and didn't follow through on it due to my uh employment status this year. Um but we should definitely try to do Daytona this January, so yeah, because it's a good place for us to meet in the middle. We're not really in the middle, but definitely uh, we can both fly into the same airport. <laughs> it's it's in the middle. If you drew two straight lines, one down the East Coast, one across the Gulf. Yeah, one one of those straight lines is about two hours long, and the other straight line is about four and a half hours long. So it's not the middle. But It's not two right. hours to Florida from? No, no, it's like four, four and a half. Oh, okay. It's not much shorter than flying in from to flying into Boston. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I've never actually flown to Florida from here because why would I? <laughs> yeah, to even fly to Florida. In, I'm already in Florida. I'm in East. I'm in West Florida. And fly Not to East Florida. Florida. Uh, it was like 30 percent humidity yesterday. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, listen, that's tough for me now. What I soup? Was, uh, I was sweaty. I was sweaty. It's only because it's monsoon season, though, and it's been so hot here, though, that the monsoons haven't been. Shit, weathercock. Damn it. We can't um, avoid it. We, I just lean into it now because we can't avoid it. So I, uh, <laughs> it was 118 degrees yesterday, which is hot. <laughs> and uh, we actually went to a concert last night. We went it's to dry heat. Yeah, it's a dry heat. We went, to, it said that the, the humidity during the day when it was 118 was like 10%. So it was fine. Uh, we went to a, in, an indoor venue show. We saw, uh, Animals as Leaders, Devin Townsend Band, and Dream Theater last night. And while we were in there, have you ever been in a place with like a couple thousand people and a weather alert comes in your phones? No. Mass chaos. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like every phone and every person's pockets going off. Everybody's looking at it at the same time. It was quite interesting. Um, there was a dust storm warning came in. And then following the dust storm, the actual monsoon storms from up north managed to come down into the valley and give us some 50 mile an hour gusts and some really heavy downpours of rain. Uh, We didn't know any about the rain and the wind until we went outside after the show was over and there were standing water puddles everywhere and there were palm fronds all over the place and the temperature had dropped from 118 when we went inside to like 88 So it was like 88 with like 30% humidity. It was still warm because of the humidity, but it was uh, definitely more pleasant than when we went in. That's for sure. And then we were driving home. I'm going to bring this back to cars. And we live on the north end of like the, the north side of the city on Route 17. And we don't have safety inspections here, as I've mentioned. And because we don't have safety inspections here, nobody tells people to take care of their tires. So it hasn't rained here like significantly in something like 150 days. So when that first rain comes in, all the oils and all the stuff in the street come to the surface and also standing water. So there were multiple car wrecks along the pin straight 17 between, you know, in the 10 miles that between the venue and my house. 
So like we're driving down the road, like, what is that? Oh, I think it's a bumper. Oh, that's weird. Oh, nope. There's a Passat nosed into the wall and like over there. Oh, what's that over there? Oh, nope. That's a Mustang nosed into the opposite side wall. Like just, just up and down the highway. Just absolute chaos. So people don't know how to drive and they don't know how to look at the tires and they don't care. And they just drive them till they crash into a wall. So, yep. That was the experience in driving home from the concert venue last night. But because we're not dumb, we have nice tires. We were in uh, Naomi's Sonata with her brand new set of Michelins on it. It was uh, totally fine. So we made it home without issue. Had to dodge more palm fronds but, and highway bumpers. But other than that, it was fine. So <laughs> anyway, the show is also awesome. If you ever get a chance to see the Devin Townsend band. Highly recommend. The other bands are great too. Animals Leaders is awesome. I've seen Dream Theater a bunch of times, but Devin Townsend blew me away. And I think you would actually really like it, Andrew, as well. And if anybody in the audience is a progressive metal fan and you don't know Devin Townsend, you're doing yourself a disservice. I've been a fan for years. Never had a chance to see him until last night. And mad I haven't seen him on every tour he came by, came by with. So great show. All right. Well, back to cars. Hey, listen, um, we can give the people what they want today. They want prog metal. All right. They all just right, don't know. All it. Right. Sunday was Misslewood Concours d'Elegance. Yeah. In Beverly, Massachusetts, which is at, run by Endicott College. Endicott College. Well, I should say the show portion is run by your dad, right? Uh, him and some other folks. It's the um, head judge. Or a yeah, he's in charge. Of, he, he's in charge of judging for sure. Um, I don't want to misspeak, and I, I know he's a he's a big factor in putting the show on. I'm not sure. I think this the college actually hosts the event, and then he's I don't like want to a, call it his show, but he does help run it significantly. Yeah, it, he'd he'd be like the CEO, <laughs> I guess. <Yeah. laughs> he's uh, he's the head guy in charge, so. I do want to apologize to him publicly here because I was giving the show a little bit of crap on our Discord channel. Um, but just my personal opinion about a couple of things of the show might have come off a little bit uh, a little bit harsh, but it's my own personal opinion, so I'm allowed, right? Yeah. We can, we can get into that a little bit, but how was the show? Well, finally, it didn't rain on his show, which is... Right. Beautiful. It seemed like every year it would rain. And every um, day it's been raining in New England this year, it seems. So it's in a super nice spot right on the water, um, which is really nice on a beautiful sunny day. Um, and there's a lot of nice cars there. Yeah, usually is. Uh, he gets some real heavy hitters. Yeah, the 2000 GT, the Toyota 2000 GT was a yep. nice uh, surprise. For sure. I think that's only like maybe the third or fourth one I've seen in person. That's even, yeah, probably about the same for me. Yeah. I've seen the ones that Toyota owns. I've seen the convertible at the um, Peterson. I have not seen the ones that you saw at Lime Rock that time. Yeah, I've seen the blue, the blue Shelby car. Yeah. I've seen the white. I think it was the same white street car that was the one that sold at auction because I think it's from the same owners. Okay. Because this owner was the was out of Maine. The one I saw on Sunday. Okay, so it's probably the same shop. Yeah. 
More than likely. Because I think they were the 2000GT shop for many, many years. Yeah, I think they still are. Before the cars were worth anything. Yep. When nobody and I think it's were. similar. It reminds me of when I was reading about Paul Russell's shop and restoring 300 SLs in the 80s. So like Before 300 SLs in the yeah. 80s were like an $18,000 car maybe. Sure. If that. And yeah, like, they used to be, speaking of Beverly, they used to be a 300 SL convertible, so not a a going car that yeah. was just parked outside in a driveway in Beverly forever. Yeah. So. Um, Crazy. Yeah, but those cars, maybe a Gullwing is a little more, but yeah, like a convertible or something would be like $10,000, $20,000 car back in the 80s. Sure. Which was a lot for the time, but like not as much as you think. 300 SL is worth now. Sure. Uh, and then I think for a long time, like 2000 GTs were like the same thing. Like, uh, like a nice one, like the nicest one in the world was like 20 grand or something like 20 years ago, probably more than 20 years ago, but you can see, you remember now 20 years ago was 2003 and, uh, they were already six figure cars by then. You think so? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I don't think they were maybe not six figures, but they were, Definitely not twenty thousand dollar cars. Okay, twenty years ago, for sure. All right. Okay. Well, similar similar trajectory, I think. Um. So anyway, that this one was like I don't know. I did like some Arabian rallies or something. Driving yes, rally. I saw it had a sticker on the door from Tel Aviv. Yeah. So a Tel Aviv rally, a Tel Aviv. I think the name of it was, but it was similar to any other kind of performance driving rally. Anyway, super, super, super cool car. Um, I think there was a couple of cars there that had, um, maybe they're Copper State Classic cars. Could have been. I, the door sticker is the sticker that kind of looks like what I think is the Colorado flag, but maybe that's the. So that's the Colorado Grand. Okay, that I knew it was one of those. Yep, fancy smancy races. Sure. Well, I know Champagne that races. I've been so I I've been to the launch of the Copper State Classic out here a few times, uh, and I know that in the past cars that I've seen at Misslewood have been participating in that event. So, and I also know that some of them do participate in the Colorado Grand Rally. This is all like super wealthy person stuff like nobody who's not a super wealthy person can even participate in these things i know the copper state classic it's like just the entry level the the entry fee to get in the event is like eighteen thousand dollars so to drive your car on public roads (laughs) so it's yeah certainly not an affordable event i'm sure the colorado grand is very similar so but nonetheless it's cool to see them at least but and it's cool that the owners drive them, you know, yeah. even if even if it's out of our price range, we'd kind of look at it from afar. It's very neat that these things actually do get driven on public roads and for long distances. So because that's the kind of stuff so that never would have happened in the past. 300 SLs, there was a purple one there. OK. Um, a, a Gullwing car. Yep. Interesting. I you didn't see the picture of it I shared in the discord. I probably did. Um, your dad said it was one of two in silver violets. Okay. So it was an original color. It's like this 
like lavendery purple color. It's not like something I would expect out of the 50s. It's like metallic purple. Really cool car. Interesting. That and the okay. 2000 GT were probably my favorite cars. And then, of course, the I've seen it there before, the the, G, the uh, Ford GT or GT40. Yeah, that probably would have been a favorite if you hadn't already seen it. That was not a favorite just because. Yeah, it's all hat now. I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. Just no big so, deal. Just a million, multi-million dollar car. Silver violet car right now. Um, was that the car with the Colorado Grand stickers on it? No. Okay, because I just found pictures of a silver violet one on the internet, and it has Colorado Grand stickers on it. So it's also uh, maybe in that event. Maybe it did at one point. The car yep. there was cars in that row that had Colorado Grand stickers on it. Sure. That's the interesting thing about these cars. Like, it's not like going to your local regular car show when you go to a Concours. Like these, these cars get shipped all over the world. So you could see them like, like I said, a car that I see here in Arizona, you could see there at. All right, we're back. Had a little weird false fire alarm thing. Yeah, that was strange. So anyway. I was more um, panicked. I was more panicked from that than I was from the thousands of people getting their weather alert last night, though. That's for sure. Yeah, we just wanted to. Well, I wanted to. Maybe I should do the thing where I'll, I'll just record a podcast with a smoke detector where the the battery's dying. Yes, so just all the time. Just in the background. Listen, I bet I bet people would comment and it would get more activity than most podcasts. Probably. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Who knows? I. Looked over the whole house, nothing, and then it shut itself off. So I don't it's know. A weird, a weird false alarm. Maybe it's like a heat, is it heat based. Is it like a super, super warm there today? AC's running upstairs. Hmm. Anyway, knows? Uh, good news is there's no smoke. So there's no smoke. There's no fire. There's no problem. So here we go. That's right. So we're talking about Misslewood. Uh, I was talking about 300 SL. We we're talking about Copper State Classic and uh, Colorado, Colorado something. Range. Colorado Grand. Colorado Grand, yeah. So yeah, that was um, those are probably my favorite cars. Ice. There was a De Tomaso Longchamp, which I'd never seen one before. Yeah, those are super cool. There was one that goes. There's one that goes to events at Lime Rock often. I've seen it at the Historics there a few times. In fact, as I was walking up to it from behind, I thought it was a uh, um, Ferrari Mondial. Mondial. Mondial, Mondial, or a 400i, one of those. The one of the four seat Ferraris from the 80s. The four seat Ferrari, the 400i is the front engine one. That is yeah, that's line. what it. Similar lines, so from behind, that's what I thought it was. When I see them, I usually think that they're a bitter SC at first glance. I don't even know what that is. That's on, is that a GTA car? What? No, a a bitter. I think it's British. That sounds like the, I I stole a Panther in GTA. I I got a bitter. (laughs) No, it's another European, um, European bodied V8 American powered car from the same era. It's a very similar look to a long champ. Um, It's from Sweden, actually. I apologize, not England. Hmm. So it was, uh, I think it's an Opel. Maybe an Opel Diplomat. It's, an, it's some kind of Opel chassis with some kind of 
um, Pininfarina body on it, but it looks very similar to a 400i or a Datamasa Longchamp. The Datamasa Longchamp, I think, is the prettiest one because the light configuration is really cool. Yeah. Like they're really down low in the bumper. Um, but yeah, if you get a chance to look up a Bitter SC, uh, the side profile of it is almost identical to a 400i. And then that rear three quarter view is very Datamasa Longchamp. But I know of both of those vehicles because also there was one that used to go to Lime Rock all the time as well. So both of them would be at the Lime Rock Historics. So that's where I've seen them. In fact, I just pulled the Wikipedia page up and it looks like one of the pictures is at Lime Rock. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, those are some of the cool cars um, that I'm into. There's a lot. There's some stuff that was really old. Uh, I didn't even like. I have a I have a nice picture of the Mercer race about. Sure. Um, and like, this is how how broken it my brain is. Like, a oh, it's a 1912, and it's like, yeah, that's 110 years old. Yeah, it's crazy. Which seems insane. That car was built the year the Titanic sank. Yeah. Like, I, there's nobody, there's likely very, very few, if anyone, alive who would have been old enough to drive it when it was built. Well, nobody's alive that was old enough to drive it when it was built. Because yeah. it's 112, 111 years old. Yeah. And they were 16 when it was built. That means they're 120 some odd years old. So that ain't happening. Yeah. It's unlikely anybody's so around. So there's not even like. Yeah, I don't think well, there's, a, yeah, it's, there's it's very unlikely few people who anybody's born around. Yeah, it's unlikely anybody's around who remembers even seeing one in traffic. So yeah, that's what's well, like now mind blowing to me that cars are getting that old. Right, but it's cool because it exists still, and yeah. you can see where things came from and where they're you know it's it's wild. I mean, was it a yellow car? Yes. Yeah, I think I think they all are. Um, maybe. Yeah. So imagine seeing that thing in yellow back then. <laughs> it must have been like seeing like. The, well, the weird thing the, to me, Andrew, is that everything was black and white, so I don't even know why they bothered. Yeah, exactly, color. exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> it must have been like seeing the McLaren thing I saw at Lime Rock, whatever sure. the new McLaren is that has all the carbon all over it. I have no idea sure. what it is. It's like a spaceship. The one with the weird covered front wheels. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. Uh, long tail. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> this is the worst car podcast. No, we just, just don't give a crap about supercars. That's all. That's all so like, know. yeah, that seeing this thing roll down the street while everybody's riding horses. Right. <laughs> like, what? Probably pretty wild. Yeah. No, it's it's a super cool car. And I, like, I went to the museum at the indianapolis motor speedway and saw like you know the marmon wasp which is a giant yellow race car from the era and it's just 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 appreciating what it is and what else was around at the time is crazy because cars were so new that some people were still like yeah this is a fad you know and and this car still exists from that era so that's it's pretty it's pretty wild so actually i just pulled up I just Googled um, the Mercer uh, race about 
and a yellow one came up that says it's owned by the New England Auto Museum. So my assumption is it's probably the same one you saw this weekend. Probably. So, which, where is the New England Auto Museum? Is that NHMS? No, that's New England Racing Museum. Okay. Then which one is the New England Auto Museum? I have no idea. Hmm. It's going to take a little bit of uh, Googling, I guess. Oh, so speaking of that, Lars Anderson has a rally car exhibit right now that I did not know about. Yeah, because they're as as good as Lime Rocks being about their social media. The people at um, Lars Anderson are not. So, well, like I knew they're having lawn events this year, but I didn't know it was on display. No, I had no idea either. So weird. Yeah, again, I'm going to be there in a few weeks, I think, uh, and I want to go see that. So let's plan to go while I'm there because it looks like a pretty cool exhibit. Yeah, there is a Cars and Coffee there, I think, on the 13th or something. Right. We'll see. I don't know. I saw pictures from their American Car Day, and it made me angry. Why? It was mostly modern stuff. There was like a Bronco Sport parked next to a, I don't know, a, a Malibu. I was just like, what is happening? Like a 17 Malibu? I was like, what is, what is going on at the American Car event? Literally the easiest show to get all classics for all old american cars and they had regular dealerships it was super hot i don't know maybe people didn't want to go to the car show i don't know it looked packed but it was packed because it was full of garbage nobody wants to see so and then going back to misslewood a little bit that was one of the issues i had with the show and again this is personal opinion so take it as you will um i understand having a supercar or two but I don't understand having some of the more pedestrian sports cars, modern sports cars that they had there. So um, I don't know if that's just me or if that's other people have shared the same opinion, but I've been to some other, you know, high end events and you wouldn't see like a 10 year old Ferrari or Porsche there unless it was the Carrera GT that was there, which is obviously a more significant vehicle than, you know, the 911 GT3 car that was there. So that's where my main complaint about things went. And I wasn't there, so I can't really complain. But if I had to have a complaint about the event, uh, that was it. I think that having less cars at that top lawn section when you first come in, and instead of having them parked, like, backed in like a parking lot, have them kind of just parked a little more, I don't want to say haphazardly because that's not the way I'm going for, but staged a little better, having facing different angles and less, you know, door to door parking lot style and having less of the modern stuff, I think would elevate the show beyond where it is now to the next level. Having like, I don't know, having it look like a display versus looking like a parking lot. And I think that one of the important things to, to think about is maybe quantity, quality over quantity. And not having as many vehicles, but just having more of the stuff that belongs there. And I think a lot of these newer sports cars don't belong there. Um, just my two cents. And again, it's not it's not the be-all, end-all. Obviously, it was a successful event. Tons of people were there. Um, I think they had a great showing. But I just think that that would bring it to that next... Like You, you don't see a picture of Pebble Beach and see a bunch of cars parked in a row like a parking lot 
right? Things are kind of staged a little differently. And I understand there's less space at Misslewood than some of the other big named events, but it just seems like it's, in my opinion, a missed opportunity and uh, just kick some of that modern, for lack of a better word, boring stuff out of there and have either very significant modern vehicles or just less and have the cars kind of presented a little better than just that a row of cars looks kind of like a parking lot. I think that that, uh, if it were my show and I was running it, that's what I would do. So that's again, in in no way is that saying anything is wrong. I'm just trying to say that's where I think could be better. So, Hey, I thought it, you said it. Hey, listen, if I thought it, if I said it and you thought it, more people have thought it. So that's just, that, that just comes from seeing other events and, I think one of the big things that I took away from West Coast versus East Coast car events is that out here, there's a lot more of that staging of the show versus parking like a parking lot. And it makes the event for me incredibly more interesting because not only are the cars more spread apart so you can see them more, but the photography and the coverage afterwards just looks cooler. So... That's my opinion. Yep. You know, you, you can you can have a separate area for that newer stuff. You know, there's that lower lot they have or across the way, there's some space where they have kind of a car corral parking. I don't know what they call it, a car corral, but it's Which like they a, did. It was cool. Yeah. But I think that they could even get rid of that and just have more show cars there. And if they wanted to put some of the newer stuff, have it down separated from the main concourse of it. So my opinion, nobody cares about my opinion, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. So, all right. How about a little Mitsubishi news? All right. I'm in. Uh, Mitsubishi announced their new L 200. They did pickup truck. That's not coming to the United States yet. Maybe who knows, which blows my mind. It appears to be based on a frontier. It's not, not appears to be, it is. I did a little digging and some research. Yeah. There's a, a shared platform with the Nissan Navara, which is the overseas name for the Frontier. So it makes sense with the Mitsubishi-Nissan partnership, right? They're all part of the Renault-Nissan-Mitsubishi kind of family. Um, well, the new Outlander is, so. Sure. That's, that's part of the reason it blows my mind. Because they do sell the Nissan version here. Unless Nissan doesn't want Mitsubishi pilfering its American sales, I don't see why they wouldn't sell it here. It seems like a no-brainer to be federalized because it's already a version of it that is federalized. And what would be a huge boon to a flailing car company, I didn't say failing, it's a flailing, car company in the America in America like Mitsubishi than a pickup truck? What do Americans want more than pickup trucks? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Not electric golf carts they try to sell. They want pickup trucks. Bring over pickup trucks. You know, and, and in this market that we're at right now where there's a, a one-year-long wait for a, a small pickup from Ford, now's the time. Bring over yeah. pickup trucks. You know, give me a new Mitsubishi Mighty Max and call it the Mighty Max. Name recognition. Bring it over. So they're going to race it in the Asian cross-country rally and they have these, like, rally art version that's all liveried up and it looks really cool and it does look really cool 
So I don't know. We'll, they we'll they see displayed that. it next to a new Delica van with the same kind of livery on it. Yeah, it looks like it, a looks almost like a hybrid cool. of the Rally Art livery and a uh, Advan livery because of the colors. So yeah, it's actually pretty cool. I really like it. It checks all the boxes, and I'm hoping somebody makes a scale one because I want one on my shelves. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like I don't know. Bring that over here. Make Please. it, and then. Well, and then you talk, you talk chicken tax. You can't bring them in here without tons of taxes, but the frontier is already made here. So all you would need to do is bring in some new body panel die machines, like, yeah. or make the body panels overseas and ship them because the car is still made here. So yeah, and this actually brings me back to Lime Rock and saying how, how many people were there. So Hyundai had this huge setup for the N N Sport stuff, and was like giving out free T shirts okay. and. They had a Hyundai owners group was there with all the end cars. So sure. that was a lot of it. A lot of the new people bringing in there. Yep. And and again, I'm just like, man, Hyundai is like, there's an alternate universe somewhere where Mitsubishi is what Hyundai is today. 2023 Hyundai is 1990 Mitsubishi. Not even, it's even better, even better with the, the advertising and the brand recognition. Sure, but I'm talking as far as the cars go and building fun cars. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's kind of where we're at. And um, again, I've said it many times on this on this podcast. I have become a Hyundai fan because of the Hyundai we own. It's been nothing but great, other than a couple of minor little problems that any 250 thousand mile car is going to have. It's been a great, reliable, you know, car to have around. And if they're only getting better, I'm I'm. Full in on that brand, Hyundai Kia. So, and they're making fun stuff. Uh, so, yeah, getting to wrap this up here. But one thing I do want to mention is one of our Discord members and listeners, Paul, is selling his uh, late father's Conquest Starquest on trailer. Starquest Market Watch. Yeah, I haven't had one of those in a while. Um, let me just refresh the page here. There's six days left currently. So it's a super nice car. It's an 87. So it's the second year of the wide body. Um, it has, it doesn't have the later ECU and whatnot, but it does have all of the mods that you would want to do to an 87. Um, it has the HKS blow off valve. It has exhaust. It's got an aftermarket turbocharger, aluminum radiator, all the stuff that you'd want to make the car like reliable and run well. Um, super clean car, sixty three thousand miles. Um, it's 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 perfect. I, I there's nothing yeah. to complain about about the car. It's currently it has the later single piece air dam added to it. Doesn't have the three piece air dam. Um, it's um, not an SHP car, I don't think. No. Yeah, ten thousand seven fifty. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So if you're looking for one, you won't find it. Yeah, good luck to Paul. And we've, we've seen this car for years because no. his father used to go to the New England Forest Rally all the time. And we'd see the car there all the time. Yep. And then he used to drape his um, rally art jacket over the back of the seat. And I remember seeing that car all the time being like, man, the car is so nice. I want to buy it. But knowing he was the mm-hmm. original owner. Well, now's your chance. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, the the bank account has already been surpassed with its 10,750 current bid, which I think is probably about half of where it'll end up. I had to guess. These so, cars are really cars aren't cheap anymore. coming in their own. Yeah. 
Well, you and I were talking off air before podcast. I myself bought a 60,000 mile 87 Conquest in what, 2013 or 14? So less than 10 years ago, I bought this same car with the same miles for $3,000. So times they are changing. They sure are. Buy one now before they go even higher. (laughs) So. I had nothing wrong with an 87. I know people prefer the 88, 89s, but the 87 is more common. Um, And honestly, to find a clean one, it doesn't matter what year you get, whether it's an 87, 88, 89. All of the upgrades for the 88, 89 are minor in the grand scheme of things. And you could replicate them plus with aftermarket parts, especially with the current status of aftermarket parts availability for Conquest and Starions. It's better now than it was even 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, if your rear struts were gone, there were no options to replace them. Now there's multiple options. Um, All kinds of hard parts are being made. The, The center drag link in the steering was NLA for years. And there's a company out there making them now um there's a, a pretty good community of conquest Darian enthusiasts that are using modern technology to keep the ones that are left alive and uh, i'm i'm here for it and i think that uh if the, if, my, if my plans go the way they plan to go i'm going to be back in a a conquest or starion on at some point in the future and I'm, I'm happy to happy to be there with the current state of things with these cars so Go to cool. bring a trailer, look at it, and buy it. Support our fans and listeners. <laughs> buy their cars. All right. Well, I think that's an episode. For sure. So, um, yeah. Follow us on uh, Facebook, on Off Topic Podcasts, on Off Topic on Instagram. We do have a Threads account, which is getting better. On Off Topic. Let's okay. connect to the Instagram. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Erased in Anger, and I'm over on Threads as well. And come join our Discord if you want to hang out with us day to day. It's pretty fun. Just message second, us if you need an invite. I second the Discord. Uh, it's definitely my biggest during-day distraction, and I'm not even complaining because it's actually uh, pretty easy to come and go as you please and not get too far behind. Um you can find me on Instagram at TSISS350. And I've been trying to be at least a couple posts a week on Scale Autocast as well. All right. So keep your analog and name the roses.